Shalom Aleichem, the Kutasich is volume 15, Kabdala Tevis Shemos, Sicha. If I could say so, it's one of the fundamental Sichas. Bringing out the Rebbe's main contribution, if you will, the Rebbe's main emphasis in Tevis Achsidis, it mirrors a lot of the teachings that are written in Kutas and Yonish or Tevis Achsidis, which also in English, the essence of Achsidis. So this is a fundamental Sicha. It's not just another Sicha. There isn't such a thing as another Sicha. Every Sicha is fundamental. <laughs> But uh, this is uh, very central, I think. Okay. So the Rebbe discusses the Stalkus of the Alter Rebbe and points out that it's interesting that the Tzemach Tzedek, when he describes it, he, he makes the point to say that it happened on Matzah Shabbos Shemos. So he's linking it to the day prior to the Shemos. Um, and it's similarly mirrored in the writings of the Alter Rebbe's sons in the introduction to one of his works, linking it to Shemos, to, to the Shabbos, even though the minute Shabbos is over, it's really Va'era. And yet he doesn't write the Tzemach Tzedek that it was, you know, the Sunday, the leading into the Sunday of Ve'era. He doesn't mention Ve'era. He only mentions Shemos, so clearly linking it to Shemos. We'll see at the end of the Sikha, the Rebbe does say at the end of the day, it still was Ve'era. So there is a connection, but more emphasis is placed on its connection to Shemos. And it's much of Shabbos Shemos. And even though it happened soon after Shabbos, it was uh, before midnight. Tzemach Tzedek writes the time, it was 10.30. And we know right after Shabbos until Chatzos, it's the time of, uh, uh, it's almost connected to Shabbos. We do Malava Malka, people don't take off their Shabbos clothing. All true. But nevertheless, it's still Sunday. And yet the emphasis seems to be more on the connection to Shabbos Shemos than Sunday Ba'era. Why so? And then Evan the footnote elaborates it, that you would think that they would de-emphasize that if someone passed on Matzah Shabbos, because it's said by our sages, if you pass on Erev Shabbos, it's a good sign, because you go straight to Menucha. Because there's no cleansing on uh, Shabbos. But if you pass on Matzah Shabbos, it's a bad sign. Because uh, I guess you have to wait a whole week till the next Shabbos, whatever rest that contributes. Whatever that means in the case of a tzaddik. But nevertheless, that is mentioned. So the Rebbe, the footnote is saying, the Tzemach Tzedek should have stayed clear from mentioning that point. It's not a plus, it's not a compliment to him that he passes on Matzah Shabbos. The Gemara says, Simen Aloy, it's a bad sign. But then to that objection that Rebbe says in the footnote, well, maybe not. Because when is it true that Matzah Shabbos is a bad sign when you're just a regular Jew? So you think about yourself. I want to go to Benucha. I want to go straight to my rest. Friday, Friday is good. Arab Shabbos, Matzah Shabbos, not so good. However, when we're talking about Nesia Yisrael, leaders of Yidin, where their whole life is about other people. So they're passing, as they say, when they enter into the realm of on high, where they're able to beseech upon their people, for their people. Matzah Shabbos is the moment when the people need the most help, because Matzah Shabbos is when the people leave the holy cocoon, the hug, the embrace of Shabbos, back into the mundane, and it's a tough thing. That's why Matzah Shabbos, the, 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 the traditional poem is, Al-Tira Abdi Yaakov, don't be afraid, the Jewish people, the people of Jacob. Uh, it, it's a tough transition. You know, We take the besamim to relax us, uh, where we lose the second Shammah. Going from Shabbos to Matzah Shabbos is the toughest moment for the Jewish people, and therefore for the tzaddik, as he goes on high, he wants to arrive on Matzah Shabbos. Now he has impact, because he's not about him. He's just about his people. He's not looking for menucha. This is a thing that I've said many times about the Rabbeim, that their thing on the other world is not to go to Gan Eden. They're, they're with us. They're taking care of the people. And therefore, the Rebbe says that is not such an objection. The fact that the Tzemach mentions that he passed away on Matzah Shabbos is actually understandable in line with that theme. And the Rebbe says further that the, uh, we find this also regarding um, 
uh, regarding the Rebbe Rashab, I'm not finding it. Um, we find this also regarding one of the other Rabbeim. I apologize. That he also was emphasized that he passed away on Matzah Shabbos. Oh, when he describes the passing of his father, he also writes that it was Matzah Shabbos. Because it's in line with this concept. Parenthetically, we, we, we also can say the same thing. That tragic dark moment was Matzah Shabbos before Chatzais. So it fits. Not that it's such a big comfort, but nevertheless, it is a comfort. It's in a sikha. Okay, so that issue is just parenthetical. It's not such a problem. We sort of settled that. The Rebbe settles that. That uh, it, it's not a question why the why the emphasis what Shabbat, but why is the emphasis Shemos? There's got to be a connection, and the Rebbe will now try to connect the following few details. Number one, that it's it, that he, his passing is parasha is connected to Shemos, and his passing happened in exile. This is an illustrious Rebbe, the Alta Rebbe, with a huge court of Chassidim. And yet his passing is when he's en route with a very small group of Chassidim. He was 69 years old and apparently in very good health. The whole thing was a kitrug. It was some kind of uh, what have you, mishap, a, a spiritual mess up. And we know his grandson led him in the wrong direction. And the Alta Rebbe right away reacted that uh, this is not good. His passing was totally unexpected. And they were in Krapiena, which apparently was a completely goyish village to so the Altareb is passing it's a holy moment is in a Gaisha village you could say it was really in a situation of exile and the Rebbe says further in the Sikha that the last year test Kislev of his life was also in Krapiena so it's described that he already arrived there a couple of weeks before and why is that significant because Yutas Kislev is the day of, of of his liberation the day when his his most important day if you will similar to the day of the passing which he writes in Tanya is when the Neshama reaches its completion of its mission not the end for the tzaddik. It's the culmination, and it's when everything that they're about, the Alter Rebbe says in Egeris HaKodesh, their whole life's mission is culminated and has impact. It explodes all over. So the, the day of the passing is the, cent, is, is the, is the essence of their life. Yutes Kislev further is also the essence of his life. It's when it all happened. begins in earnest. And it's the last Yutes Kislev of his life, also in line with another teaching of the Alter Rebbe that every date represents divine energy to the world in alignment in align, alignment with that message, with that theme. And every successive year, there's much more divine energy on that date than there ever was before. So what's the greatest Yutas Kislev in the life of the Alter Rebbe? The last one. So his last Yutas Kislev, which represents the pivot of his life, his passing, which is the pivot of his life. They happen in exile, and they happen in Parsha Shmos, as we're going to see, which is the theme of exile. So the Rebbe wants us to line up all of these things. So here I'm going to use my chart. Uh, for this sikha, the chart is not the main thing. The main thing is the understanding. But however, the chart will just help us so we don't have to focus on the details. So I'm going to use it periodically so that the details are clear in front of us and then we can go back to understanding the message. So we're connecting the dots, the passing of the Alter Rebbe, the passing that took place in exile, and that it happened, it's also his last year, Tess Kislev was in exile. How is this all connected to his life, purpose, and mission, which is reflected in the day of his passing and in the day of Yutas Kislev? 
So how are all these things connected to exile? And how are these points connected to the theme of Pasha Shemos? And as we're going to see, the name of Pasha Shemos. We'll revisit this chart a little later, just so my purpose of the chart, again, this is very little importance in a sikha like this. However, it's just so that you see the flow and then you don't have to think about it now. And now you can open your minds to think about ideas, but we'll come back and revisit it just to show where we where we went. So, so um, the Rebbe explains in the Sikha that uh, the Rebbe passes in exile is very much related to the theme of his life's mission, which is Chabad Chassidus, Revelation Chabad Chassidus, which is the virtue of the service of Hashem in exile. Chassidus is very much connected to speaking about something special, the unique quality of a service of Hashem, not in the time of Beis HaMikdash, but specifically in time of exile. And what is that specialness? Because that's when the Yechida, the essence, is revealed. The power of Mesidus Nefesh, when Jews are squeezed, or when they, or when they don't have the revelation of Hashem, etc. In a way, it's a very dark time. They don't see miracles. They don't see Hashem's presence. They're much less inspired. They're like a blind person versus a seeing person. How could you compare it? Time of Beisam is like a seeing person. There's inspiration, and there's probably all kinds of levels of love and fear of Hashem, etc., etc. And exile, the lights are closed. For most of us, we never achieve those things of Abba and Yir and all these things. The lights are closed. We don't see anything of Hashem. We're suddenly blind. So how is that a virtue? Aha! Because on the other, on the flip side, it reveals the Koyach HaMasidus Nefesh, this deep Masidus Nefesh. We see it that when Jews are oppressed, the Rebbe says elsewhere, look at some of the Russian Jews that they were in Russia. They they literally risked their lives to have Britain. They risked their lives on a constant basis. And sometimes when they came to freedom, they weren't so committed. They relaxed their commitment. So the exile has a way of bringing out the Mercedes Nefesh. Chassidus gives an example to this that we see that the... Uh, why does exile bring out Mercedes Nefesh? Exile is a negative. How does it have any positive? So the Rebbe explains this on two levels. In this sikh, it's just hinted briefly, but using the footnotes... And I want to thank also Shmuluk Shor for his classes, which are excellent, which illuminate a lot of these ideas. So the Rebbe explains this fundamental principle, namely that Golos has a plus that it helps a Jew reveal their essence, their Yechida, on two levels. The example that's given Exodus that it's easier to put the foot in the hot water than the head. So level one is, and that's why the later generations were like the foot. It's easier, let's call for a simple person to dedicate themselves to the to Hashem, to their master, without asking any questions, and a more sophisticated person, simply because the sophisticated person has ideas of their own. The simple person has no ideas. And the example that I want to give, that I saw in my own lifetime, that there was, uh, uh, sometimes we use the analogy of a Jew's relationship to Hashem like a child and a parent. And that ultimately there's an essential bond, which is inexplicable, because really they're one. Where do you see it? Where did I see it most strikingly that there was a Jew in my community who was estranged from his father? And if you knew the details, you would agree that he's probably right about it. His dad was just a bad guy. However, when his father died, at the funeral, when we finished the covering, he burst out crying. It was extraordinary. This is the person who hasn't been in touch with his father probably for decades. And uh, he, he didn't like anything about him. There was nothing good about his father. 
from what I understood. And suddenly, but it's his father. So here, because there was nothing positive except the essence, the essence became revealed. In all my years as a shliach and dealing with people, I've never seen the revelation of that essential bond. Not because it's not there in every parent-child relationship, but because there's so much else. I love my father. I admire him. He's smart. He's loving. He's wine. He's, he's kind. He took care of us. He gave us life. He, he, he created the family unit. He gave us a direction of Torah. I mean, there's so much that a father gives a child. And therefore, we almost don't notice the essential bond and what it's really about. Because we're not pressed against the wall to see it. In this case where there isn't anything else, it came out. So that might be a good example of how the Golos brings out the power of the Yechida. But the Rebbe says in his, in, in his teachings and his sikhs a deeper and more a special reason. Not just a negative reason, because in the time of Golos, there's no plus, so there's no light, so we're just left with the essence. That's a negative reason. It's a negative, it's not a, it's not a good thing that there's no light. It's not a good thing this guy had no relationship with his dad. But because there was nothing good, the bad shines. I mean, the essence shines. But the Rebbe says also, on a deeper level, that when a space of darkness, the essence shines because darkness actually facilitates, if you could say such a thing, when there's no positive details in the relationship, that actually is a reflection of the essential relationship. This is a different point. It's just a deeper point of the same concept. Um, because the relationship has no definition. Let's use the parent-child relationship, even though it's not totally accurate, but it's just by way of analogy. Ultimately, why is this my father? For no why. Why do I love my father? Why do I love my child? There isn't a why, even though there may be many whys. He's smart, he's cute, he's fun, he's handsome. Um, he makes me feel good. There can be a list of 100 things, but ultimately, a healthy person loves their father for no why. There isn't really a why. Just like you love yourself for no why. Hopefully you have a lot of reasons why you think you're a good person and why you, you like yourself. But if if that's what it's based on, then you don't know what it means to be yourself. You love yourself because you're you. You love your father because it's your father. So ultimately we're talking about a, a, a relationship that's unconditional. And therefore, in the space of darkness, where there is no condition for a positive relationship, like Golos, that's when a Yid's relationship, which is called a Keshet Atzmi, this essential bond, that we're just one with Hashem, that's when it, 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 that's when it blossoms. It's almost like Golos is a, is a facilitator. It's a good reflection of the essential relationship. Um. You know, Manus Friedman talks about the fact that if you want to see the beauty of a Jew's connection to God, go into a shul on Yom Kippur. That's when Jews come most of the year. Most Jews don't come. And ask the average Jew a simple question. Do you believe in God? He says, if you go into any other house of worship, any other faith, a church or a mosque, and you ask the average worshiper that question, you believe in God? They say, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you, of course. Why do you think I'm here? And they'll give you a whole story with God, and he's so important, that he's the most important thing. You go into a shul and you get and you ask the average worshiper. We're not talking about the Gabbai and the Chazim, but the people in the back. 
do you believe in God? He'll say, I don't know. I'm not a philosopher. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Probably not. So then you say, so why are you here? And they'll look at you like you're totally off the wall. What do you mean why I'm here, Tim Kippa? Why am I here? There's no why. It's not a plus that Jews only go to Shul and Yom Kippur. But it brings out a huge plus. Again, for the two reasons we just said. Number one, because there isn't anything to distract it. We don't see the person's inspiration. We just see the essence. Like the story of my of my the funeral that I talked about earlier with the estranged dad. But also for a positive reason. What this Yom Kippur Yid says, I'm here, Yom Kippur, because I don't have any choice. It's not even a choice. It's not a question. Why am I here? I'm a Yid. Is there anything else I can do? Do I need a reason? Do I need a reason to be me? Do I need a reason to be a Yid? I am a Yid. So this unreasonable thing is really the greatest thing. And that's why it's exactly how exile brings it I don't want revelation. I want big theme of the Alta Rebbe. It's what citizens to reveal the essence of the soul. Just a beautiful story that Hasidim tell to help understand what this means, the essence. Touching the other person without the revelation. So the story is told that the Shleim Chaim Kesselman was one of the big mashpihim in Israel in the uh, in, in, in the 40s and the 50s. There was Rabbi Khan during those years and many other Hasidim. Was a special person. So back in Russia, he was arrested and exiled for obviously for, for doing his work for Yiddishkeit. And his wife was pregnant then with twins. And he was sent away, I don't know how many years, a number of years. Those twins, incidentally, we knew them later. They were older Hasidim when I was a kid growing up in Crown Heights at every Tishrei, they would come to 770. We knew the Kesselman twins. And they're known to us today in Lubavitch, the two branches of the Kesselman family, those two twins. But back to our story, so Shleim Achayim, the Mashpia, is exiled from home and leaving a pregnant wife with twins. He was sent away, I don't know, let's assume for five years. And his wife tried to send him pictures so he should stay in touch with what's happening. And he, he describes how precious it was when he got a picture of the twins, and they were very cute with the long hair. Very special. But what touched him the deepest, I think the story goes... What broke him down that he started to cry by the third haircut? She sent them actual piece of their locks, their payas, of their hair. That was a whole different ballgame. He was getting pictures of them. And in the picture, you can actually see the child. What do you have with the locks? You can't see a thing. The picture is nice. You see everything about them. But when you're touching the locks, you're touching them. People have a need to give a hug and a touch. Why not look at the person? Because looking means you're seeing about them. You're seeing their their, their their image. You're seeing their light. You're seeing their personality. Beautiful. But I don't want any. I want you. I want the essence. And the, at the end of the day, a neshama is a reflection of Hashem. And it too is an essential being. It's just an essential truth without anything. And therefore, when he got the locks, he, it, it, there was nothing to see. But this is it. And that is an experience uh, coming back to the theme that comes up in in Gauls. When there isn't a picture, there is no light, there is no inspiration. There's no picture. We don't see the divine light, we don't see the message, we don't understand it, we don't see his face, we don't see the, whatever, how you'll be described a picture. But we're able to touch him because we are a yid. 
Rav Shmulek Shur in his class brings another example. It says in Yom that the Moida'ani of a Jew is so perfect because it represents the essence of the Neshama. And therefore it's allowed to be said before Negevaser when the hands are still impure because all the impurities of the world cannot defile the Moida'ani of a Yid. So this too can be explained on those two levels. One is a negative, one is a positive. One is um, the person is before Negevaser their mind and heart has not kicked into gear. So they don't have an appreciation of Hashem. They don't have any focus. They just woke up. Think about yourself when you just wake up. There's no focus. Aha! Because there's no focus, in a sense, now is the best time to just plainly express the, the, the connection to Hashem. I'm yours. We're one. What does it mean? I don't know what it means because I, I can't think yet. I just woke up. But it also, in a positive way, because the Yid and Hashem are one, it's not two things that are connected through how holiness, purity, mitzvahs. No. Give me impurity. Give me nothing. The guy just woke up. There's impurity. There's, 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 does that get in the way of that essential connection? The essential connection means that the two are one. It's not a connection of two. It's just a connection of one. Almost and more than almost. And therefore, before Maidani is the best, before when the, when the hands are impure is the best time to facilitate that essential connection. Again, A, because there's no distraction of inspiration. The person has thinking about Hashem's greatness. No, there's nothing to think. I'm just yours. So that's because of the negative reason that there's no distraction of the, of the light, inspiration. But deeper yet, this is the only moment when the person sees the essential connection. What facilitates? What is, so to speak, a carrier or an antenna for this essential connection? Let's call it impurity. Because the essential connection means I don't need purity. I don't need anything. I don't need focus. I don't need connection to connect because this is the essential bond. Therefore, comes as the Rebbe says. So that's what the story of Pasha Shemos is all about. Pasha Shemos is all about exile. It's actually the portion in the Torah that's the exile portion, if you think about it. The story of the Jewish people in Egypt spans five Torah portions. However, Vayigash Vayechi was before the slavery began. Yosef was still in, uh, reigning supreme. Subsequent, the two other portions after Vayera and Bo is the plagues. And then the liberation. And the minute the plagues began, there wasn't any really slavery. So that's also not the moment of slavery. Portion of Shemos is all bad. All slavery and bad news from beginning to end. So that's the theme of Shemos. Golos. And we just said Golos has a virtue. And the virtue of Golos is huge. And the virtue of Golos reflects very much the message of the Alter Rebbe. in all of his chassidus. Namely, that a yid and Hashem are one. They're not two things that can connect. That too. Mitzvahs, Torah, and Ava, and Yira, and everything else. But ultimately, chassidus' main message is, you're one with Hashem. Including on you, especially on your yachida. You're, you're one. And it could be a yid who doesn't even know you're a yid. It doesn't change it. One iota. So that is exactly the theme of Parsha Shemos, and therefore it follows that it should be connected to this talkers of the Alter Rebbe. 
and his pivotal day of Istalkos and his pivotal Yutas Kislev as mentioned before. And the Rebbe says further, not only is Pasha Shmos the portion of exile, it's also the portion of preparation for Matan Torah. What's the purpose of the exile? God don't like us. The whole idea of the exile is to prepare us for Matan Torah when we will connect to Hashem on a whole different level. And that's why the exile was worth it and needed. All the Tsaris that came in Mitzrayim. Because Matan Torah is a huge moment. What happened to Matan Torah? The Jews were learning Torah and, and observe, connecting to Hashem from the day of Abraham Avinu. However, Matan Torah is when the Torah was given in a physical sense that we have physical mitzvahs. We can do a mitzvah in the physical, not just through spiritual connection, but actually physically appear to fill in and, and, and a lulav and a mezuzah. There's actual holiness in the physical act. The physical body becomes holy by doing it. That is the breakthrough of Matan Torah, as is well known, correct? So that reflects the same concept. What does it mean physical? Physical means something that exists without, without a justification. That's the difference between physical and spiritual. That's why the physical world is called the lowest world. And it's how do you know it's a lowest world? Maybe there can be a lower world. There's so many worlds, there's the four worlds, and really it could be, you know, four times infinity worlds. And yet, no, we know that we hit bottom. And this is Dira Betachtem. And the answer is because this is the only world with this physicality. All spiritual worlds, from the greatest to the lowest, they have a common denominator that they all have a justification. They represent a reflection of a divine message. There's more light, less light, further light, further light, very little light, a tiny amount, but it has a message. It's like speaking about somebody brilliant, less brilliant, and he's watering down the idea until the simple student. But there's an idea. But then when you have something that exists without any justification, it's here because it's here. The best illustration of this fact that the physical is here because it's here, and it doesn't have to justify itself, is the following. In the spiritual realms, no two things can exist that are identical. There aren't two angels that have this that are on the same level. One has to be higher than the other, because if they're on the same level, they're actually the same. Because in spirituality, existence means you have a justification, you have a message. You say something, you stand for something. So if you have, just like if you have two ideas that are identical, they're actually the same idea. Two plus two is four in your mind and in my mind is actually the same idea because something spiritual, anything but the physical tangible, it represents a message and you can't have two messages that are identical. Then they're the same. And therefore, you can't have two angels on the same level because they'll be the same. But however, when it comes to the physical, you can have two of the same. Walk into a room, you'll see a hundred chairs. Walk into our social hall, there's a hundred chairs there. The concept of chair is one. So how can you have a hundred? Why do you need more? You already have it. It's like somebody repeating the same idea a hundred times over. Stop. A person of the mind says, you need a hundred chairs? Just give me the concept of chair once. And the answer is, don't you get it? We're in the realm of the physical. Things are not valuable because they say something. They're valuable because they yeah, they take up space. And therefore, that's what the physical realm is about. It's a tremendous negative. It doesn't shine. It doesn't say anything. It is. It's there because it takes up space. Says the Rebbe. That that's why precisely we can touch Hashem in the physical. More than in any other way, we can actually do his mitzvahs and we can unite with him in a way that we can't through any other levels of Gan Eden and appreciation and the Malachim up on high and our souls on high.
They're looking at pictures. We're touching the locks. They're seeing the virtue of Papa. We're somehow touching him and connecting to his essence and the place where he and us are one. And that's what a mitzvah is. It's just plain physicality. In Hasidus, this is the greatest meditation of a mitzvah. There's other kavanas, etc. And the meaning of the mitzvahs, but the ultimate kavana is, this is Hashem's will, and therefore this is sort of Hashem. I'm touching the locks. I'm, I'm embracing him. And therefore the exodus, the darkness of Golas, with all of its virtue, I said earlier, that it brings out the essence, is the perfect achana. Its purpose is the preparation for Matan Torah, which is this essential connection, because it mirrors the essence. The Rebbe says further, so now to wrap this all up, to wrap this all up, and that's why it follows that the Stalkas of the Alter Rebbe, as we said, which represents his main theme, the moment of the Stalkas is the combination, and the Yutas Kislev. And what is his life about? It's about revealing the Yechid and the Yid. How is this reflected in Chabad? I said earlier, because Chabad is all about teaching that a Yid and Hashem are really one. But that's true in general in Chassidus. Why specifically Chassidus Chabad? Because Chassidus Chabad focuses on revealing the essence in Torah, the Yechida in Torah, and thereby revealing the Yechida within the Yid. So the Rebbe talks briefly about that idea, that Chabad is revealing the Yechida in Torah. Because Torah also has its Yechida, its essence, and it has its four levels, Pshat, Remes, Drush, and so, the various levels of understanding Torah. The literal, the hints, the allegorical, and the mystical. We do see that Hasidus Chabad is the essence of the Yechid of Torah. So, because, because of the idea that it's able to permeate to the lowest place. What does Hasidus Chabad mean? Your, your mind, the human, can understand Elokos. It's a contradiction in terms. Elokos is infinite. The human is finite. Right there, it's an impossibility. The famous story of the Badichiva Rebbe, when the Alter Rebbe sent to Tanya for him to give his uh, to, to, to give to, to give his blessing, Alter Rebbe respected him very much. And he looked through the whole book and he said, such a great God, and they put him into such a small book. This wasn't a criticism, it was just his way of expressing this is a great tzaddik. And Hasidim explained what he meant. The Tanya was always printed in, in, in pocket size. I think the Rebbe was the first one to print it in big. And one of the reasons we printed a pocket side because it's contraband. People studied it mostly. Everybody was a chassid who formerly was not. The first few generations of chassidim were all newbies. Baruch Hashem today, there's many newbies. See, if you're a newbie, you're in good company with all the generations of chassidim that founded chassidim. None of them were born chassidim. So to learn a tanya, you have to hide it. You have to hide it under your pillow and your pocket. So it was always small. So Badish Rabbi said such a big abish and such a small book. So it's explained by chassidim. I don't know if this is from the Rebbe himself. That uh, taking the Abish and putting him in Chabad, <laughs> it's a miracle. You're taking the ocean, putting it into a cup, taking infinity. So the whole idea of Chabad represents this huge bridge. How is it possible? It's only possible. Also, another way of showing that it's it, it's it's that Chabad is the Yechida, because the purpose of Chabad 
Remember, what's the theme of this sicha? That where do you see the yechida in the place of darkness, in the place of gullus, in the lowest place? Well, the same thing, Matan Torah. Where do you see that Hashem's essence is revealed? Anochi, I am the essence in the physicality of the mitzvahs, as explained earlier. So the same thing is in Chabad. Chassidus HaKlal is the general Chassidus explains that a yid has a connection to Hashem. Wonderful. And everything else, Hashkach HaPratis, the creation. But Chassidus Chabad says, take the ideas of God and bring it to the human mind. Whoa, that's to the lowest place. That's the idea that if he goes to the lowest, now you know that it's the essence. Because the essence can be everywhere. Because as we explained earlier, for the two reasons. And similarly further, the Rebbe expands upon de in detail, also in the footnotes, that one of the main themes of Chassidus is not just to permeate the mind and the divine soul, the human mind, but also to permeate the nefesh abahamas, the animal soul. The Rebbe says it's a quotes that that the whole idea of chassidus is really to change the human nature. That's the main purpose of chassidus. And in the footnotes in detail, quoting the Rebbe Rachab, which is brought in Hayyim Yom in his great letter about Yitzchak Kislev, that its whole idea is to develop self character and to get rid of all negative traits. That's chassidus. That's why you reveal the lakus to change this animal. That's its purpose. It's it's it, 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 it's such a mundane thing. Yeah. So find the lowest place in you. That's where Chassidus is going to have the most impact. Because as we said before, the whole idea is to bring it to the place of darkness. Because that's when you see it's essential for truth. For the two reasons explained earlier. So really quickly, let's look at the chart. So what have we accomplished so far? We now understand why the passing of the Altar Dev and the fact that it took place in exile. His passing, which means it's his culmination of his life. And his last Yutas Kislev, which means his greatest Yutas Kislev, is, which is the theme of his life, the main day of his life, happens in exile. Because his life's purpose and mission is Chassidus. And what is Chassidus? The revelation of the essence. Of a Yid and of Torah. And where do you see it? In exile. And that's connected to the theme of Pasha Shemos, because Pasha Shemos is all about exile. And it's also connected to the fact that exile, Mitzrayim, is a preparation for Sinai, because it brings it to the physical. The thing we didn't touch upon yet is this. What's the connection to the name of Shemos? I'm a little bit out of order in the Sikha. So here the Rebbe explains that the name of Shemos... I'm sorry, I'm going to do that after. For reasons known long to the end. The Rebbe then says that the Alter Rebbe's name is Shnei Zalman. He says the name of Shnei Zalman reflects this message as well. Shnei means two lights. Why was he given that name? Because he was there to, to reveal the two lights of Torah, the revealed part of Torah and the esoteric, the writing of the Code of Jewish Law and the Tanya, etc., etc. But not just that he wrote both, but he combined them both as one. This is a big theme of Chassidus Chabad, combining both areas of Torah. First of all, the very fact that the human mind understands mystical ideas, but also that we learn Nigla like Hasidus and we learn Hasidus like Nigla. And also the fact that in the way Hasidus Chabad explains a Torah, you see that the whole Torah is one in all of its levels of the onion. Not just that there's the revealed Torah and the legalese of Torah and then there's the mystical and there's some mirror reflection. No. All the details of a minutia of a law or of a piece of the Talmud, Hasidus explains, especially in the Rebbe's writings and his Rishimis and his Rashi Sichas, the detail, detail, minutia of the legalese or of the literal interpretation of Torah, that's where you see the reflection of the essence of Torah. So these are many, many examples of how 
In Chassidus Chabad, the Torah is one. So to clarify, I'm making two points how you see in Chassidus Chabad that Torah is one. And that's the name Shneir. Two lights become one. Torah is one meaning the, the revealed, the, the Rashi, the Halacha, the Gemara, and the hidden, the, the mystical. How do you see that there? One, because I want to just clarify briefly. Number one is that the, that these mystical ideas permeate the mind, so you learn nigla like Hasidus. So when you're learning halacha, you're learning like a Hasid, permeated with faith, and vice versa. When you're learning Hasidus, you're learning it like nigla. You're really understanding it. So you see how the two Torahs merge. And furthermore, I think this is the main interpretation of it, that in the Nigla, you see the Hasidus embedded, as mentioned earlier. And then you have the idea of Zalman. Come in. You got to give me 10 minutes. I mean, I'm on a Zoom recording. Um, Zalman is the letters of Lizman, which means to the time. This is the idea that Dalte Rebbe's message is to bring Hasidus and divinity and Torah and holiness into the realm of time and space, which is which is what we've been saying all along. The idea is to bring it down into the human mind. The idea is for it to transform the Nefesh Abrahamis, just like Matan Torah itself. And therefore, the names of the Alter Rebbe fit right into this. What does it have to do with the idea that portion Shemos is called Shemos, which means names. So the Rebbe says that if you think about the idea of a name, it very much reflects the aforementioned. A name, on the one hand, says nothing about a person. I know your name, I don't know anything about you. Proof is many people have the same name. Conversely, the name is everything about you. I call your name, you can wake up from faint. I call your name, you turn around. So how do you reconcile that? On the one hand, the name is nothing. You don't even need it. You can live without a name if you don't have other people around you. On the other hand, the name is where they grab you. And the answer is the aforementioned. In the name, because there's nothing, that's why you have everything. It's a little bit because in the payas and the locks, you don't see anything. There's no picture. Aha, but you have the essence. Because there's no light, you have all the essence. In practical terms, it means you know, Shliach sees this a lot, but any Lubavitcher Chassid who deals with Jews who are who are not yet from sees it. That you see a Yid, he doesn't have anything. You ask him, what does Judaism mean to you? Nothing. He can tell you, I don't even believe in anything. He's a Jew in name only. Aha! The anti-Semite will call him that he's not a Jew? Are you kidding? He'll kill him! Somehow, people don't know how to explain it. It's inexplicable. It means the essence. This is my papa. I'm a Yid. I don't know what it means. In fact, I may tell you it doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, but boy, it does it because it's a place that's inexplicable. And therefore, this reflects everything that we've been saying. Madison Friedman's line, I'm a Yid. Why am I here? Jim Kippur. I have no whys. And that's why when you call a Yid, you call him, he's a Yid. He jumps into action because it wakes up a place in him that is inexplicable. And therefore, Pasha Shmos reflects that message. The final lines of the Sikha, in the last section, the Rebbe connects it to Ve'eru. Because at the end of the day, it was after Shabbos. If this is the idea of Dalta Rebbe, 
So he should have passed away in Parsha Shemais. He passed away much of Shabbos. So it's really Va'eda. Now, if you think about Va'eda, it's the opposite thing. If Shemos is concealment, exile, the essence, Va'eda is revelation. Great revelation. The name of Havaya, the infinity of Hashem, which even to the patriarchs was heretofore unknown, will now become, become known. So the Rebbe says, think about the message of Chabad Hasidism. Yes, it's all the things we said till now, the revelation of the essence. But isn't Chabad about Abbas Hashem, Yiddish Hashem, to transform the person, and the person's animal soul should become refined, the person should have love of Hashem. Hasidism is very much in real time, not just about the essence. We keep saying it's all about the essence, but it's all about revelation too. It's all about creating a Lebedekayid who loves Hashem, who loves mitzvahs, who... Yiddish Hashem, he's afraid of sin. That's what it's about. It's all Vaera stuff. A lot of people think that's what Chassidus is, just to give me inspiration. The truth is, there's a lot of other works in Judaism without Chabad that can give you inspiration. All the Sifri Chassidus that is not Chabad, and Sifri Musr, and all the other Svarim of Machshava. What's unique about Chabad is Shemais Vaera. Of course, we also need Va'era, and the goal is for it to permeate the person. But why? Not because the focus is on the inspiration, but because the focus is on the essential bond permeating all the parts of the person. A whole different reason. If I'm looking for inspiration, I want to feel inspired to avoid my Yetzirah winning me over. So there's a lot of ways to get inspired. I can get inspired because I'm afraid of Gehenim and I want Ganeidin. Or I could study any number of Svarim of Chassidus and Musar and Chakira and etc. without Chassidus Chabad and be inspired. And on real levels, perhaps. Perhaps. Chassidus Chabad is not just Ve'era, it's Shemais Ve'era. It's messages that you and Hashem are one. That's its message. That's the beginning and end of it. However, that message should permeate everything about you because if it's all one, if you're one with Hashem, what's one with Hashem? Not just your essence. Because remember, the essence means it's like the DNA. The DNA is in every part of your person. So if being that a Yid's essence is Hashem, his mind and heart are not excluded from that experience. And therefore, if a Yid relates to the Shemais concept, there's Pintle Yid in the essence, but he doesn't then take it and permeate and make him a Oibed Hashem through Abbas Hashem, a Yiddish Hashem on our level, and really to become a serious Yid in what's called in Koichis Pnimim, in their personality, that's an indication that perhaps the essence has not really been activated enough, because if the essence is activated, the DNA is everywhere. It's equal everywhere. So why are we excluding the mind and heart? And that brings together the whole message of the Sikha, this extraordinary Sikha and very Gishmaka.